Welcome to the Rise Network podcast show, a podcast dedicated to help you reach your dream lifestyle through investing in real estate. We're going to be sitting down with new, intermediate, and experienced investors to talk all about real estate and how it has changed their lives. If you're looking to scale your portfolio or even just get into real estate investing, you're in the right place. Make sure to tune in. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rise Real Estate Investing Podcast. You're here with Austin and Mayu. I'm going to pass it back on to you. What have you been up to during the week? This week has been more about uh, getting started on my double flip. Uh, so that was good. Spent some time out there. It was, to be honest, I bought it pretty much sight unseen. I relied on my JV partner. It was a wholesale deal. You know, it looks like we're going to be making some good money on it. Nothing to complain about there. The spread looks attractive. The house is a piece of crap, which you kind of expect when you're buying properties that you're going to be flipping. I posted a video on it on my Instagram and basically the comments that I got back was a whole lot of opportunity, which means, wow, that's a piece of crap. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? Your your flip looked much worse on the outside than the inside. The exterior appeal is total garbage, but the inside actually, it was not too bad. <laughs> that's because we've seen much worse properties, but the exterior, like honestly, that like, yeah, scrape it down and repaint it. That's going to cost me a couple grand, right? And it would deter so many people from buying it, which is amazing. What's going on with you, man? I know you've been busy on the wholesaling side. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a lead and an offer accepted on a lead. So looking to wholesale that that's in East Windsor wholesaled a duplex as well down in Windsor. And that duplex was actually picked up a while ago. And since the market, it has appreciated. I could have either decided to close on it, which it was under market value. However, it was relatively turnkey. So not the strategy that we typically employ. So I decided instead just to wholesale it for a couple thousand, make a quick fee and focus on obviously our strategy, which is burn buying those undervalued and, and crappy properties. But other than that, man, I'm looking to expand the, the wholesaling definitely within the next year. I purchased a course. It was like $2,000 Canadian, the seven figure runway vault. So it's like 70 or 80 videos on there. I'm all about wholesaling and flipping. I'm not sponsored by them, by the way, guys. <laughs> this is going to be, my, I'm going to give an honest review as I go through it. That's awesome. So seven figure, seven figure runway. I think I, I looked into yesterday as well, after you kind of mentioned it to me. They've got two branches, right? One is the wholesaling side and one is flipping. Yeah, yeah. There's a flipping and the wholesaling side. A couple of big Canadian investors. Hopefully we can get them on it to this podcast. I really don't think they even listen to this podcast, but <laughs> if they do, they'll hear the name mentioned. So Luke Borion, he's the largest wholesaler in Canada. He's a member of the Seven Figure Flipping Club. Ryan Carr, huge developer, flipper investor down in the Durham regions where he specializes in and Sean Allen. We know that like that guy's like fix and flip King. Like he has multiple flips going on at a time. So I just want to surround myself with these elite high level killers in real estate, because that's how, that's how you ultimately grow and expand and better your investment in your portfolio as well along the way by surrounding yourself with stronger, better, more intelligent investors. You always want to be the dumbest person in the room. Yeah, for sure. And that, that takes us to our guest for this week. So we're going to be interviewing Michael Watch from Watch Properties, I think is his company name. And he's he's definitely a, a very strong investor. He's, you know, he, he takes a different pace at things, but his social media game is on point. That was motivation to me when I first got started, even just posting anything on social media. And his, his story is something that a lot of us can follow and mimic along the way. Yeah. So Michael, Michael's a husband, a father, accountant, auditor, and real estate investor. He's got experience in multiple cities, primarily in South, Southern Ontario. He's a long-term buy and hold investor. That's now used the bird strategy as well to acquire five properties, which are also 10 units. So in the last year, he's, you know, like I said, he's been very active on social media. He shares his journey to other investors. You can find him on Instagram at Watch Properties. Um, and after, you know, after he bought his first property in back in 2008, he's been, you know, really putting in the building blocks, so like building up his empire, so, so to say, uh, one at a time. Yeah. So stay tuned. Check out the episode today. I think there's a lot of nuggets in there for a lot of people of various different sizes to absorb. Hello, everyone. We are joined with Michael. Michael, how are you? Good, good. How are you guys tonight? I am so tired because it's an exhausting, exhausting day with the full-time job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think me and Austin, we're both having one of those days where, I don't know, we were just complaining to each other and venting. <laughs> so, Michael, uh, you work a full-time job as well right now, right? Yeah, I'm in the same boat, guys. Some days are, are busier than others, and uh, you just never know what you're going to get during the day, right? So 
it's nice to have yeah. a relaxing side hustle to kind of take your mind off the the nine to five, right? Well, I wouldn't call it <laughs> relaxing, but it's something that we enjoy, <laughs> and it pays well too. So. <laughs> For the audience who's not familiar with your story, why don't you just give a very high-level detail of, of who you are and kind of what you do? Yeah, sure. So I, I'm an accountant by trade. I've uh, worked in internal audit for the last decade or so. Um, I've always liked numbers. Like I've always done my own bookkeeping for, for our rental properties, my own taxes for, for our family, for family and friends. For, for many years. And in terms of real estate, we bought our first property about 12 years ago, single family home. Our second property, seven years after that was a single family home again. And, and even our third one, a couple of years after that was a single family home. And in, in the last couple of years, we've really ramped things up and, and really started treating it all like a business. So, so now we've, uh, we've done a couple of conversions in the, in the last year and a half in the Niagara region. We've sold a few of those initial single family homes. And uh, yeah, I'm just enjoying the ride, enjoying the ride, working the, the nine to five. I, I like my job. I like my coworkers. It helps me get mortgages very easily, <laughs> a lot easier than, than for the investors that don't have that T4 income. My wife also works a full-time job, but, but I'm also very happy that I've stumbled upon this, this whole real estate investing gig because I see the light at the end of the tunnel um, in the future, hopefully being able to get, get out of the rat race and uh, do what I want to do every single day. Hallelujah to that. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you, you started with what some people would call like an organic, very natural uh, rate of growth, right? Like where most people would buy a house. Well, not most people, but if you, if you're an investor minded person, you're going to buy some form of real estate every I don't know, let's just call it like three to four years. As you save up naturally, you just buy the next one and the next one and so on, right? So over time, your portfolio over like 15 to 20 years would have amassed to at least like five to 10 properties in that range naturally. But at some point, like you said, you decided to make it into business. So I'm curious, you know, what, what was that transition period? Like, did it just happen or did it, was it something you actually sat down and talked about and, and you made a conscious decision to do? Yeah, it's um I, I think everything happens for a reason. And if I could pinpoint it to one event, it was we had owned two properties at that time. So that both single family homes. The second one was a townhouse in Hamilton as well. And I was selling a stove at that property and an investor that came to buy it, we started chatting and he was part of, of the Rockstar Real Estate Club out of out of Oakville, where they, they had that set up that whatever agent you use, he kind of serves as a coach to you as well. And, and he told me about them. I signed up. I've been paying the $50 a month ever since. And really, when I started working with my agent at that time, and, and we bought our third property with him, and, and that was the first like real good kind of property that we bought. And he introduced me to his power team, to his mortgage broker, to his inspector, to his contractors, all, all of those things that you want to have in place, all of the professionals that you need to have around you. Like we, we thought we knew what we were doing. We knew nothing with those first two properties. We made so many mistakes, but our, our goal was simply to have tenants pay off our mortgage, right? On the first property, on the second one. So we're really happy that we kind of spent about eight or nine years doing things on our own, not knowing that this whole network out there exists. And that one event really opened up our eyes to, to all of these clubs and the meetups and everything that exists that I know you guys are part of. And I'm just very thankful that probably the last two years I've been able to immerse myself in all of these meetups and events and meeting people like you. It, it really kind of changed for us a few years ago. We truly didn't know what we didn't know. And um, it's, it's been great ever since then. I love that you said that you didn't know what you didn't know. Right. And that's, what's keeping me going to networking events. Cause I swear there's times where I'm just like, ah, do I really want to go? But then I decide to go anyways. And this is one golden nugget you pull out of a networking event. It might not be from a presentation. It might literally be just from talking to someone else. So prior to all of that, you were just, I'm assuming you were just kind of dabbling around in real estate and were you just going with the motions? Was there an end goal in mind? Were, were you buying turnkey properties? How did the first couple of properties look like? Yeah, the, the, the end goal was to never receive any call from any tenant at all. <laughs> it was a turnkey properties. First one was a single family home new build on, on the Hamilton Mountain in, in 08. And 
we, we basically never heard from the tenants. We had some turnover every kind of two to three years. And um, that, that was nice. We held it for 10 years. We sold it. We've used that capital for the conversion projects that we've done recently. Second property was a terrible purchase. It was a townhouse with condo fees. And it, it, I, I didn't know how to run numbers back then. We were literally negative cash flow about 200 bucks every month. It did appreciate quite a bit, but it is not the type of property you want to buy, right? But once again, we just thought like if we can qualify for a mortgage with the broker that we're working with at the time, why not buy as much as we can? And it took seven years after the first one. And then we, we met Rockstar about nine years after that first purchase. We still bought a single family home in St. Catharines, but now is the right type of property. It actually cash flow from day one and we can we, we still have that property and we can add a legal second suite in there so uh we had very simple goals it was have somebody else pay off our mortgage for us good days when single family homes <laughs> cash flow back in st catherine's oh how we miss those days oh serious so your first one was hamilton so did you live in hamilton or you live somewhere else yeah, we, we live in Hamilton. I, I'd love to invest in, in my own city here in the backyard, but um, it's it's just been a little bit easier to for us to find deals and, and the price points that, that meet our goals in terms of cash flow, in terms of numbers in the Niagara region. And that's where the coach that I was assigned to that's been amazing for us the last couple of years has all his properties. So he had his whole power team. He knew what price points we had to get in at, what the rental was going to be, what the numbers look like after refi. Uh, we, we, we don't own anything in Hamilton anymore other than our principal residence. Welland and St. Catharines are close to an hour away, but I like, like you guys are even further from your properties, right? And, uh, <laughs> you, you just kind of go, go where the, where the money is, go where the deals are, where the numbers make sense. You said that your agent kind of bought along the power team. And that's something that me and Mario always talk about is, is that people are like, how do I build my power team? How do I build my power team? When you work with an agent that deals with enough investors, which I know Rockstar most definitely does, their entire group is, is pretty much investor oriented. Naturally, they're going to have a power team, right? So when they kind of introduce you to the different people on the power team, was it more so a trust type of thing and you went with them or did you have an interview process along the way? Um, kind of walk me through how you finalize that I'm going to work with these people. Yeah, it was a bit of both. For the, for the first little while, I just kind of took his word for it. And then I, I started seeing that other investors were using the same contractors, like the same HVAC guy, the same plumber. As I started kind of immersing myself in these circles, you see the, the same couple of names keep on being mentioned. So I'm like, okay, this guy's amazing. And then I would use them once and, and I'd say to myself, now I know why he's on like 15, 20 different investors power team, right? The good contractors, everybody starts to know them after a while. So yeah, it, it definitely shortened my, my learning curve, if you will, even though I had been investing for like nine years at the time. It really helped expedite things now where I feel comfortable investing an hour away and self-managing most of my units because I know I have a lot of these guys on speed dial and I've started building my Rolodex out where I have like in some of these trades, I have them three, five, seven deep in case top two guys are busy or sick or they're not, not able to show up quick enough, whether it's a tenant calling and they need something the next day or a bigger rental that we're doing and I'm trying to line guys up. So are you doing, then you're doing the property management yourself? Yeah, mo most of the units, yes. On the last conversion that we did, it's 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 my first uh, trial into property management. So that was an interesting kind of onboarding a property manager and, and, and working all the, like getting to know them and them getting to know me. And it's gone, it's gone pretty well so far. We're a month in there. The, the house is still standing. All tenants have paid rent. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and I don't need to respond to any calls. Like there was a few minor things in the first week after all three tenants moved in. And it was just so nice knowing that the property manager could get their handyman out there and take care of the doors that were closing properly or the washer that was shaking a little bit like that. That's exactly how I want to continue to build, right? Get the, get the property under contract, renovate it, burr it refinance as much money as I can and then hand it over and make it as passive as is possible. I know it's never passive because you're still managing the manager, but 
I'm doing the best I can so that I can just free up my mind and my energy to do things that are worth my like per dollar value. So what is worth your per dollar value now, now that you bought that up? <laughs> so you mentioned uh, building a power team. Let's get into kind of the nitty gritty of it. Who's on your power team, right? What are they doing and what are you doing? Because you want to focus on your high per dollar task. Yeah, so I, I, I'd say delegating because this is what this all comes back to. That's something I think a lot of us struggle with, whether you're a real estate investor or, or just a business owner, right? We feel like we can do a lot of these things better than anybody else can. So I, I've definitely been guilty of holding on to a lot. Like I used to do my own rentals, my own fixes, my own turnovers. Obviously, yeah, I've done- While working full time. <laughs> while, while having the full time job, definitely. And a, and a family, we have two young kids. Like I, I want to be home as much as possible too. I don't want this, this side hustle to, to take over my life or, or, or cost me at, at my day job, right? So I've been, I've been slowly handing off more and more. So the biggest change that I made is using general contractors for the last few rentals. So these, these have been big conversions. They've all been 100,000 plus because of the areas that we're working in and just the scope of work. And the, and the condition of the properties that we've been buying them. So I've been very content paying a few extra dollars, going over the exact scope of work, having an agreement in place, getting multiple quotes, especially for the first big one that we did. And then just kind of checking in once a week, following these guys on social media. I've been lucky to have my contractors have a presence online where sometimes I don't need to go there on a Friday, Saturday because my contractor's doing like lives where he's posting 10 pictures and I see, okay, yeah, framing's up, plumbing's in, electrical's in, boarding has been started, mudding, whatever it is, right? So it's really cool. That's a tip. If you can hire a contractor that can either send you pictures or videos or can post up online, it just saves you a lot of, a lot of work. And, and you kind of know that they're a transparent company or individual as well because they're willing to share as they go through the process. Other things that I've done, so trying out the property manager now, which like if, if, if anyone's gone through listing a property for rent with multiple units, it's a lot of work, right? Especially when you're really looking for high quality tenants, you don't just want to put anybody in. It's a lot of work and to drive there for an hour and maybe have a couple of showings show up an hour each way and then nobody ends up coming, right? Three, three people were supposed to come. You, you confirmed two hours before. Like it's, it's not the most efficient use of your time. So I will continue to hopefully pass that off. And then I, I know I've talked to Corey, who, who you guys are coaching with as well. He's really pushing me to delegate and, and pass off even more. I need to get rid of the bookkeeping and the, and the tax returns and the accounting. I'm going to do that sooner or later. It just, I, I love the numbers. I love, I love having like control of, 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 of that part of this whole business. Right. So I'm sure there's going to be other things. I'm definitely not doing any of the like small stuff anymore in terms of the rentals are involved, but I want to be focused on, on the highest earning things. So you, you asked me, Austin, how much my time is worth. I'd say probably somewhere between a hundred an hour and a thousand an hour dollars. I don't know where it is, but it's definitely not 30 an hour handyman type of work anymore. Right. I want to be focusing on, on building some of the systems I want to focus on having meetings and calls with potential private money lenders or joint venture partners, and also just finding deals, finding deals that I can keep for myself or that I can pass off to other investors and maybe make a wholesale fee in that process. Yeah. You need to know your dollar per hour. You need to know your worth. Uh, you know, me and Maya resonate with that so much. Maya, you, your ass is still sitting there nodding because you edit these while well, we should hire it out. <laughs> well, I think... Well, I, okay. So I think part of it is once you learn how to do it, then it makes sense to outsource, right? Like you've done the property management, Michael. So, so now it's like, okay, I know what to expect from my property manager. I know if he's not doing it right. So that's a big part of why I continue to edit the podcast. I'm like, look, I want to know, like, once I master this, how long will it take someone to edit it? And then, okay. Yeah. Like I'm going to outsource it for that rate. And like, I know if someone messes up and I know how they can improve and, and where they're doing something wrong. Right. Bookkeeping. Yeah. Me and Austin are guilty of that as well. Like we really need to outsource and we talk about it like every other week, but part of like systems is it takes time to outsource stuff, right? Like I'm, I'm in the process of trying to just find a, 
like a VA. And then it's once I find the VA and I decide who I'm going to hire, it's a matter of, okay, now I've got to like make sure I have the time dedicated to train them appropriately and, and get them up to speed on what I need them to do and have enough work for them to be like fully engaged and things like that as well. So I think there's a lot of like upfront time that you have to sink into it early on and then you get it right and you're golden, but you get it wrong and it could be a, another very expensive mistake. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Like finding off-market deals and wholesaling is is a business I would love to get into more. But exactly what you, what you mentioned, I feel like I haven't taken the time to actually document how that should be done and the different ways of finding those deals to kind of onboard somebody. It's a bad excuse. It's a bad reason. But I, I can only focus on so many things at once, right? So it's going to happen sooner than later, but yeah, great, great example, or whether it's the property management or, or any other system, right? Yeah. I'm curious, like Austin, what, what would you say some of the other pain points are? Or, cause I, I know Michael, I guess you covered property management, general contractors, bookkeeping. Um, I like is definitely a pain point because uh, at least I can speak to Mayu and I like, and, and tell uh, Michael, let me hear your perspective as well. Like with the agents, you can rely on an agent. Yeah. But they're reporting to like 50 plus clients, especially if they're a good agent. So you're not getting first crack at any deal really. So we got to, we got to hit the off markets. Michael, how have you been looking for your deals? Are you just, are you actively seeking or are you getting people to seek for you? Or are you just relying kind of on the agent to send you stuff? I need to get more into the, the, the off-market side of things and the private purchases directly at somebody's kitchen counter. I, I, I have bought most of my properties through my agent. Um, I do have a couple of guys that I really trust that are just good people to have around me that are sending me deals, whether they know that I'm looking or not. Now that I have a couple of partners that potentially want to buy something, there is more of a need for extra deal flow, right? I, I've been very black and white so far, like just like my background being an accountant where I, I really in the past only wanted to buy one property at a time when I knew I was kind of pre-approved with my broker, get through that one, refi it, get all my money out, and then soon after buy another one. And, and that's worked very well for us. But I feel like it's a part of the of, of my strategy that I'm constantly building and, and working on. So I get a ton of the wholesale deals every single day, just like you guys get for from all the big wholesalers that we know, right? I look through those. Most of them are like good flip potential properties. I'm really focused on long-term buy and holds right now where like I'm okay leaving a little bit of money in the deal, but I want to burn them, right? And and I, I'm very clear that my main goal right now is cash flow. I want to have like a certain cash flow number when I'm done with every property. So I'm not necessarily looking for maximum doors or to get as much money back out. But to answer your your question, I have a couple of agents that are kind of constantly sending me deals when they do see a good one. But but it is tough these days, right? There's so many multiple offers on market. Because we've done the one kind of single family home to three unit conversion, and now we just locked up another one, we have it under contract. It's, it's kind of a segment of the market where there isn't as much competition because many investors are looking for duplex conversions. And then you have the, the end buyers, people that are looking to actually move into the house. So I've kind of snuck in a couple of on-market recently purchases in the last year where we've, we've been able to get them at a good price or the numbers work, but I didn't have to get into a crazy bidding war with everything that's going on. And basically every investment city that everyone's looking in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, what do the numbers look like out in Niagara? They are, they are getting pretty tight for, for duplex conversions. Like you're looking at really a purchase price of 400,000 plus for a, an old rundown wartime bungalow in, in Welland right now. You're paying like 450 to 475 for that in, in St. Catherine. So those are the two cities that we own in and that I, most of the communications with other investors I have in, in Hamilton, that's like 500 plus now just to get into the market yeah. for that bungalow. Right. And then one of the problems we have in, in Welland is that the, the actual ARVs, the, the refi values haven't gone up to that level where we need them at. Like the highest refi values I know are 500, maybe in the low five. So you can't really be paying 
420, 430, putting in 100 to 120 reno and then refi at only 500, right? We, we were lucky. Our, our last one we got for 320 when we when we did the, the reno and welling about a year ago. And now with the triplexes, those are refining a little bit higher. You're, you're looking at like, depending on the neighborhood, 600, a little bit over 600 if you get on the appraiser's good side that day. <laughs> Wow, that's so. So, if you're buying in the low, low to mid threes hundred in, and then refining it close to six hundred, you're pulling out most of your cash, aren't you? So, most most investors I know have kind of bought in the in the high threes to the low fours, and they're all refining around five hundred. So, mm, okay. so, most people are leaving in all of their down payment and closing costs, hoping to get their rental funds back. Let's talk about well in a bit. The home prices are not extremely cheap uh, based on kind of what you're saying. What's pulling investors there? I, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's it, it's a really nice homey city, first of all. It has tons of tree-lined streets, which are just beautiful neighborhoods. There, there's definitely a, a bad part of the city, just like every city has where I've stayed away from. I want to have nice neighborhoods that attract like AAA quality tenants there's a lot of like medical buildings. There's a lot of retirement homes, a lot of older people living in these buildings, in these houses. And so they're really prime for the types of conversions that, that we're doing. But they are a city that, first of all, the building department is very, very good to work with. And I've seen a lot of articles and a lot of publications by the city that they are open for business. So they are like enticing businesses to come in and to set up shop and to open up headquarters anywhere in the city. And they're providing a lot of grants and a lot of subsidies, right? Whereas if I could like be as nice as possible, St. Catharines, their building department makes it really difficult for you to do a legal second. I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard this too. I don't know what's going on over there. A lot of people seem to have some beef with them. (laughs) St. Catharines is just not popular with investors, it seems. A couple of members in my power team have like been in contact with the mayor and, and with various people in their building department, like basically telling them, listen, if you guys don't change your attitude towards all this development money coming in, all these investors wanting to bring these older houses up to really good condition and to add housing units and provide nice, clean, safe housing, then we're just going to go elsewhere or we're going to do the the rentals, and then we're going to call you at the end of the day and tell you that it's all pre-existing. <laughs> so <laughs> I choose, but Welland, Welland has been good. I, I know Hamilton is a really good city when it comes to working with the inspectors and getting your permits done. So yeah, like I can't complain. I like the city. I like the way that I feel when I'm driving through these neighborhoods and I go to check up on my rental or when I'm showing the property or when I need to do some maintenance items. And for me, that's kind of like that gut check. If I feel like I would want me or a family member or a friend to live there, then I'm really happy to invest in those cities. Absolutely. And it's the proximity as well, right? There's that GO train line to downtown Toronto Union. That, is that, that going up to Welland or is that um Somewhere in the Niagara municipality. And I think Welland is benefiting off of that as well, right? Just because it is within that municipality. I, I personally wanted to live in either Welland, Hamilton, or Oshawa because I wanted a house hack and it wasn't possible in the GTA. I talked about this before, but yeah, I was kind of a cheap bastard. But still, <laughs> still like if it's attracting people like me there, like I could, I could totally see it because I was working downtown Toronto. Anyway, Michael, so you were at the point where you were buying a couple of properties and now you're talking about conversions, you're buying kind of one property at a time, burring it out and you want to scale, obviously, is is what you're pointing out at. So how are you going to scale? Because for a lot of people, you buy one property, you burn it out and then you buy the other property because you don't have enough money to do two projects at once. So how are you going to buy multiple properties and and do multiple projects all going at once? Um, so one thing I've, I've definitely done is I've tried to obtain um, private financing, private loans from family members and friends and work colleagues. And anybody that's been interested, I send like a monthly newsletter. It's more kind of every two months, but I let people know in my inner circle that I'm always looking for money. So whether it be at 7%, 8%, 10%, for six months or a year or, or, or even longer. I have one 
friend that lent me 80,000 for two years at 9%. So I'm very happy with that because it lets me like bankroll these rentals, right? None, none of us are sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, so one way that I've done it, and as long as you're running your numbers and you're not, not leaving crazy amounts of money in any one deal, because then you have nothing to pay the investor back with, right? Um, so, so that's been one thing. Another way is I've done one JV so far. I'm having constant conversations. I have a couple of people that I've kind of qualified with my mortgage broker. They're just working out some some last financial things like setting up HELOCs, setting up lines of credit so that they're correctly set up to be able to buy as much as possible in the future, potentially with us, right? Doing, doing JVs like the standard 50-50 split where they bring the money and they qualify for the mortgage. So that's been another way. Um, and, and we also want to hang on to our T4 jobs as long as possible. Like we know I'm, I, I'm a very numbers, like, like constantly recalculating where we are on our cash flows, on our properties, where we are with our capital, where we're going to be based on my estimates, on my reappraisals in three months, in six months. So I, I'm, I'm always very careful. Like we're not taking on any debt. I was going to buy a truck recently and then I backed out at the last minute and just held on to the SUV that's kind of falling apart because I knew it would limit our personal qualifying ability, right? So I, I, I kind of bit the bullet for another year or two just to be able to acquire as much as we can personally while at the time building the, this pipeline and constantly working on the, the, the private money and the JVs. It's awesome that you say that. I think um, like I, I was in the same boat. So I recently got rid of my car just because I knew it would free up, I think like a couple hundred thousand of like borrowing capacity by getting rid of it. But I think everyone, no matter where you are in your journey, at some point you will run out of either your own capital or your own borrowing capacity. So I'm curious, like how does, how do you go about raising capital and like talking about the social media side? Like I've seen your, your posts now for a few months and you've definitely become a lot more active. So I'm just curious how it all kind of fits together. Yeah, Michael, I just want to say huge props to you on social media, dude. Like, <laughs> I always see you answer, like, as many questions as you can. I love that. I, I, I always, like, tuning into your stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, Austin's that guy on social media, like, was like, nah, nah, I'm just stupid. Hey, I try, okay? I <laughs> and try. And then you see, Michael, you see Michael responding to every single person and then posting it to their story as well. I'm like, holy. <laughs> Yeah, you make me feel like shit. <laughs> uh, Austin, you have thousands of fans. You got to re- reply to every one of those people when they ask you a question, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw one of his recent stories. You know, like how like when someone that you don't follow sends you a DM on Instagram, it goes to like another bucket. Yeah. Austin had no idea that existed. And <laughs> so this is just building up of like people asking him for advice and Austin just icing them for months. <laughs> <laughs> no, like uh, uh, I'm a guy that literally a year and a half ago my wife was showing me how to put a story on instagram and like how to put the letters on it how to That's put so writing cute. on it literally <laughs> I, st- I i was so bad at it and the first few videos and stories I, I, i'm trying to think back they, they were cringy they were terrible man and um as as time has kind of gone by i i've just really gotten a, a bit more comfortable and i feel like i'm i'm, I'm focusing now on uh, kind of sharing things of value. I don't want to be posting like inspirational quotes. There's a lot of people that do that. I don't want to be like re resharing other people's stuff, but I, I want to truly provide like insights into what I'm doing, what I'm struggling through things that like strategies that, that we're using, especially on the back end of the business. Cause when I was working through those first seven, eight, nine years with our one, two properties, I had none of that. Like we, we were in the dark because we didn't have anybody that we could follow. Now that's everywhere, right? So um, it, it, I, just, I just really want to share um, things that we're doing that, that could help somebody, right? Just, just providing value wherever possible. And even though I've never targeted like finding partners, finding money on there, by default, it's led to that. Like I found an amazing contractor. My, my JV partner came from Instagram. A couple of days ago, I, I commented on a live that another investor was doing where I, I just said that I was helping a new investor, helping set them up with the right power team, making sure that they didn't invest in the wrong property. And another new investor saw that and they messaged me about JVing with me. So like, I don't know if anything's going to happen, but 
just by putting yourself out there, you don't know what's going to come out of that. You don't know when you're going to find your like $1 million money partner or just like per person that wants to fund all your deals. Or, or I, I really love um, interacting with, with newer investors because they, they, they have all the questions that I had. I, I really like see myself in them 10 years ago. So any, any help I could provide, I've started doing coaching calls. I know Austin, you do a ton of that. I enjoy that side of it. It's not for the money. It's just really for sharing as much as I can in that 30 or, or, or 60 minutes. So I, I know a lot of investors get uncomfortable when it comes to sharing or they think that they need to have a lot of posts kind of lined up so that they could start shooting them out. But if there's any advice I can give, just truly like share what you do every single day. But most of us are doing real estate stuff daily. We're doing something small to to, to push the portfolio forward, to kind of get, get a contract, get a partner. So share share all of that because you truly don't know who's watching and people are watching. Mandy Branham always mentions this. People are watching. Like if they see you doing stuff, whether it's family, friends, and it's really allowed me to be able to share with all of my circles all at once, right? I don't need to have a newsletter here and a separate barbecue meeting or a birthday party for my family here. And then at the investor meetup to talk to those guys, I can boom. And, and so I've really focused on Instagram. I do Facebook as well. And I've started LinkedIn recently because that's pulling in a totally different group of people from my current job and from my previous jobs. So, so let's talk about that. Yeah, I actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, you go for it. No, I, was, I think I think we're about to talk about the exact same thing. So you said you talked about LinkedIn and about talking to people at your current job and your former jobs. So I'm just curious, how do people feel about you and your real estate journey at your current job? Do you think it negatively impacts you, whether it comes to promotion or, you know, how hard is Michael really working if he's got this entire real estate business? Right. So like those kind of things, like how do you feel about that in general? Fire him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think any investor that's working full time and is working on a side hustle on a real estate business, like you need to be a transparent and 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 honest and a and a good employee at the end of the day. You can't let that side of it, which is at the end of the day, letting you qualify for the mortgages and do everything that you're doing on the real estate side, right? So I I, I really strive to be as efficient and as good of an employee as I can at the nine to five. If I can get things done quicker, faster, I will, I will do it. I, I, I continue to be, I think, a solid employee. So I haven't let any of this affect my job. Like if I can set up, whether it be home inspections or check-ins on properties on the weekends or in the evenings, or I lump a lot of stuff into a day off or a couple of days off that that, that I take, I will definitely do that, right? But it's always interesting when when somebody at work finds out for the first time that you have yeah. a social media account and they go through like 60 posts and they're like, oh my God, I didn't know you were doing this. It's really cool, like chatting with them. So I've had a couple of coworkers where since they found out, every time they kind of like corner me somewhere, they just start throwing questions at me. Like one lady's son bought an investment property and she was picking my brain for like two months on how should he be screening tenants. Another person is like, as soon as I finish this, this home rent over here, we want to invest in something. We, we have all these questions for you. So it's, it's really cool how all these conversations start at your workplace and these people want to connect with you outside of the workplace. You just don't know where it's going to go. And uh, LinkedIn, um, because I've been out of those initial corporate jobs that I had at the accounting firms before I joined my current job, it's cool to kind of reconnect with people from 10 years ago and they see what you're doing now. And these are higher wealth individuals typically that are now directors, partners, business owners. So it definitely opens up a lot of different avenues for potential partnerships in the future. Yeah, I think LinkedIn is the perfect platform for corporate people. Yeah. LinkedIn, it's kind of, we have that corporate mindset. If I see someone who has never had corporate experience, but they want to talk to me about real estate, I'm under the impression that you're trying to sell me something, right? It's just kind of that mindset. But when I see, like, Michael, you have a history of working different jobs, you prove successful in the corporate field. And obviously, given your experience in real estate, kind of the articles you write, how you articulate it, the strategies you talk about, 
it's a bit, it, it hits a bit more, right? Given your background. And I think for people who are in the corporate field, it's scary to get on LinkedIn. Man, I was scared shitless when I wrote my first article. But I'm, I'm it, really still not on LinkedIn. <laughs> like, I'm no, like, you're not. So, like, I tag you on shit and you know, you know, <laughs> I <identify> you. <laughs> Well, okay. So I switched jobs uh, earlier this year and then my new job, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to update my LinkedIn. I'm not going to follow people on Instagram. I'm just going to stay very mellow and quiet about it. Okay. And then I think one of my, uh, like a manager and director at my new place follows Austin. So then we started the podcast and then I think she, she found me through Austin and she messaged me. And she, she might even hear this. I don't know. She messaged me at work and she's like, Mike, like, are you a real estate investor? I'm like, shit <laughs> like yeah and and then she and then she's like oh like can we go for coffee one day so we go for coffee and we get to talking and she's got like a legitimate apartment building and i'm like sitting here worrying about like my couple single families and duplexes and triplexes and she's got like this massive portfolio and i'm like holy shit so i think i think it does open up a lot of a lot of doors for a lot of people that you just, like you start talking to a lot of people about just real estate stuff even at work um, yeah, I, so yeah, I, 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 I believe you're almost doing a disservice to the people around you in your various circles and groups if you're not sharing like some of the opportunities that you're able to provide. Like, it, 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 I don't feel that I'm looking for partners to provide private loans to me or to buy half a house with me. Like, they're they're looking for me, and and these people are finding the opportunities that guys like you and me are able to offer to them where, where we can provide ROIs in the double digits and or, or like getting cash back in the matter of a couple of months or a year and still holding an asset forever basically, right? So that's how I look at it. It's, it's my duty to share what I'm doing, the good and the bad, and let people out there that know nothing about real estate investing often come to me and, and realize, wow, they could give me a, a sum of money and make 10% on it, no questions asked and get that money back in a year, where are they going to have that guarantee anywhere else? That's, that's right on. Yeah. So, I mean, I, like even me, like I, I do my own fair share of private lending. I've uh, encouraged like a lot of people around me, like when you have cheap debt available today, like HELOCs, what are they like 2% now or something? And then when you can turn around and lend out for 10%, if you know and trust the individual that you're lending to, like your risk is basically like negligible, right? So yeah, that's crazy, man. I think there's a lot of great nuggets there. And I think I follow you on Instagram. And I've been impressed by the amount of content and the amount of advice that you offer. And I, like, I still find advice from you. I think one of my pain points is utilities. Like I hate setting up utilities. I'll push it off as long as possible. And then you get the call from the utility company saying, we're going to shut off your utilities unless you set up this account. And you're like, shit, no, no, like I'm here. Like I set it up. So, and then, and then I see you on Instagram and you're like, oh yeah, like got this great relationship with, with my utility company where like they know when I call it. I'm like, oh man, like I need to get there. <laughs> so I, I've, I've just been constantly impressed by the systems that you put in place. Austin, do you have another question? Yeah, no, I, I just wanted to flatter Michael. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one thing that you said, and, and this is so true, and I've been, I am guilty of this when I'm getting lazy on social media, is, is that, and I'm not offended, don't worry. <laughs> He's like, don't, you're not simply just throwing quotes out there. That's the easiest thing to do, and you're not educating anyone by throwing a quote out there. You're not inspiring, uh, maybe to an extent, but how much are you going to inspire someone by just throwing a quote out there, right? What I like about what you're doing is, is that you're focusing on quality. You're not just throwing quotes out there. You're throwing actual real life shit that you're going through, right? You're giving things that you learn, things that you're trying to improve on. And I think that's ultimately what partners want to see. They're not going to invest with you because you threw a quote out there or you threw something motivational. They're going to invest with you because you're an expert and you prove you're an expert by showing you're an expert by putting out quality content. But Mayu, back to you. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, we say that as I'm about to post a quote tomorrow. So <laughs> yeah, no shame. Yeah, okay. So at this point in the podcast, Michael, we usually uh, move on to our speed round. Uh, to start things off, like where, where are we going to see you five years from now? Like what's your goal and where do you envision yourself? Hopefully both me and my wife are out of our full-time jobs and we are running this, this real estate business together. She has a busy job and... I keep on telling her I cannot wait to rope her in and to have her kind of working with me alongside of me. So I think five to 10 years, we have a bunch of properties on our own, some with partners, and, and maybe we have some apartment buildings by then. That's kind of one of the next levels that I would like to get to with partners that have that goal. So 
I think five to 10 years, yeah, man, getting up at 8 a.m., having a coffee, doing some yoga, finding some off-market deals, and just living the dream. <laughs> love it, love it. That's awesome. Right. So I'm, 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 I'm curious, like, is your wife actively involved in your business right now, or is she, I'm just like, how do you guys divide and conquer? I'm just curious, sir. She, she hasn't been able to dedicate too much time, but I run a lot of stuff by her because she is just a really smart person. She is, she is amazing at her job. She's in human resources. So she's a, she's a really good people person. And, and now she, she's also got a really good at the numbers and the strategies and the intricacies of the rentals even that we're talking about. So whenever I'm not sure about something, I know that I'm going to get like a nice neutral response from her. And that kind of grounds me if I'm not sure about any like tenor relations or, or something, having a person that's not involved in the real estate world every day, it's, it, it's really good to have that, that outside opinion. So, but as time goes on, she will, she will need to get more involved because I'm either paying other property managers, other professionals for it. I'd rather have her in house, not having to work a nine to five, but doing this thing alongside with me. I love that. I need to get my girlfriend to that point as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slowly getting my wife more and more involved as well. So when I first started off, uh, she, she was not crazy about real estate. She was just, just like, uh, like whatever, like you keep talking about this. And now like after we got married, we started living together. She's just getting more and more intertwined in the business. I don't even think she knows it, but she's, uh, she's slowly getting more engraved in it. So it's kind of nice. I'm going to be moving in with my girlfriend. So I hope that happens. And if it doesn't happen, this is the last time you'll see me on this podcast. You're like, you don't spend enough time. <laughs> she doesn't listen to this podcast. I can say what I want. Okay. <laughs> All right. Second question, Michael. Uh, if you want $10 million, what would you do with it? Um, first thing I think I, I do, um, it's, uh, I think it was a lot of 649 commercial years ago when the kids buy the parents a cottage, like on the water or something. I'd probably surprise like both my parents and my wife's parents with like cars or, 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 or some assets like that, right? Like something really cool just to thank them for all the help that they provided over the years. Um, and, and then the rest probably, probably do like a nice trip with just a group of friends, 20, 30 friends, where you also surprise them. And after COVID's over or like take them to a nice vacation, take their kids as well. And the rest of it, whatever's left, the seven, eight, nine million, I'd probably buy a couple of apartment buildings, just kind of economies of scale, put a superintendent in, in, in there and be as hands off as possible. I thought of the private lending. I'm just, I'm not there yet in terms of my mind and my, and my mindset. I'm not ready to give up on the fact that good tenants exist and that you can make a higher ROI owning these assets. And, and, and struggling through some of the ups and downs versus just lending it all. So I definitely put it into real estate. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I think private lending has, it does have a market. It's, it's definitely like it's straight cash flow, right? Because there's no, there's no equity pay down and price appreciation. So I think when people are aggressively chasing the, like the fire number, like the ability to you know, just essentially leave your day job, I think real estate is a slower approach to it sometimes because you might just be getting like two, three hundred dollars on a single family house. But you know, sometimes if you have equity built up, you're able to private lend out the money and supplement it with real estate cash flowing assets. And then it kind of escalates to combine to get you there faster, right? So I think there is room for every investor to have a little bit of private loans at least. And I I I do the same thing. So I have a a small portfolio of private loans that kind of supplements and covers my carrying costs for other debt. So yeah, I think that's a great answer. So Michael, if you were to have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? I'd probably have to say Michael Jordan. I don't know if you guys watched his uh, Netflix documentary, yeah. <laughs> The Last Dance. And, it, and really it's because of his mindset. This guy was just such a fierce competitor and, and then no quit mindset that he had. Like I, I feel that the most successful investors have that same thing. There was one of the episodes, I think the Bulls either lost in the finals or in the conference finals. The next morning, he was at the gym at like 6 a.m. getting ready for the next season, right? Because he didn't want to lose again. And I think we're all, we're, we're all the same. We're all hustling. And, and mindset is just so much. It's really the most important thing. All of the technical and the power team things fall in place when it comes to investing if you have the right mindset 
knowing that whatever gets in your way, whatever failures you're going to have, whatever doesn't work out, you're still going to reach those goals. Like I'm 100% sure that we're going to be retired early, both me and my wife. doesn't matter if a property doesn't appraise at, at, at a good amount or a rental goes over or, or I buy a crappy property or a tenant doesn't pay for a year. Like I know because of, of, of what's in my mind and, and just that no quit attitude. So I, I think I was really inspired by all of those episodes and, and just the frame of mind that, that, that he was always in, which is just the mind of a champion. So I like Jordan. I always liked him growing up. I, I, I remembered a lot of those games watching them when I was younger where they showed footage during that show. That's phenomenal. Yeah, mindset is definitely a huge thing. There was actually, when you said that, I remember there's a meme, Jordan took everything personally. I didn't watch it. And if he's hearing this podcast, he would have probably took that personally as well. (laughs) (laughs) Michael, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an amazing podcast. You always have a positive attitude. You have a lot of information to share. And I love that you don't let things hold you back. You like to try new things. You you started off scaling a bit slowly. And then after that, you started burring. And then after that, you're like, okay, like, let me try to reach out for capital. And on top of that, you're, you're always giving great advice on social media. We need more investors like you out there. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I know the audience is going to love this episode. We're probably going to have you back on in five years when you're retired and you're chilling when you have some more time. But anyways, where can the people in the audience find you out or reach out to you? Uh, best place is probably Instagram at watch properties. So at W A C H properties, that's where I share most of the day-to-day things that I'm doing in the business through the stories. I share a little bit of the highlights on my uh, private Facebook profile. And, and like I said, you can also find me on LinkedIn where I've started posting recently. And those posts get like two thumbs up, three thumbs up way different than Facebook or Instagram. But I'd say Instagram is the is the place to be if you want to follow along this journey. Yeah, you definitely need to follow Michael. He has some amazing content out there. And don't don't blow up his DMs. Don't bother him too, too much. He's a busy guy. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Until next time, invest smarter and live better.